And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. My name is Julian McKenzie, and I am filling in for Rob Pizzo this week on the Athletic Hockey Show, the Wednesday Roundtable Edition. Uh, Jesse Granger, who's normally in Vegas, is in Seattle right now, but he's also on Zoom with me for the podcast. Uh, Sarah Sivian is normally here, but uh, as I understand, she is uh, in Tampa Bay doing some fun journalism activities, interviewing Mikhail Sergachev. So for now... Because we're expecting to see Sivy at some point later on. Uh, Jesse, it is you and I to start off the Wednesday roundtable. How are you doing, my man? I'm doing great. Uh, first time in Seattle. It's the Golden Knights' first time in Seattle. They've got two games here, so I kind of get to settle in. I'm here for four or five days in Seattle, uh, enjoying it so far. Get to see the new arena tonight. I'm in a good mood. That's awesome. So, yeah, you mentioned the first time for the Golden Knights in Seattle. The battle of the two most recent expansion teams in the NHL. Uh, both of them in some really interesting situations this year. Obviously, the Kraken, they're not going to make the playoffs. The Vegas Golden Knights, could they miss out on the playoffs? That's something I definitely want to ask you about. On top of some other tidbits we've heard from the GM meetings in Florida, which I should also mention later on in the show, we're going to hear from Pierre Lebrun and Michael Russo, who are in Florida, kind of jealous of them because, you know, they're in a much warmer place than I am right now and maybe a bit in Seattle as well. I imagine it's a bit more dreary and rainy over there, but they're going to give us uh, what they've heard from the GMs in Florida and we'll discuss some of the topics that they've uh, mentioned as well. Um, but also I want to get to uh, some other topics like the fact that goals per game, Jesse, uh the highest it's ever been in the NHL since 95, 1996. And again, with the Vegas Golden Knights. And if we get sit, and when we get Civi in here, I'll ask her about the Canes and Bolts game and a few other topics we'll try to get to on the Wednesday edition. I'd like to start, if we can, with that goals per game stat. So I was looking at hockey reference before we got on air today. In the NHL, in every game so far, if you average it down, 
3.11 goals per, per game. That is the most we, the, we have seen in the NHL since 95-96, where it was just a little bit higher. And it seems as if almost every year over the last few years in the salary cap era, we have seen more goals go in. I was watching Florida-Montreal on Tuesday night, and that game ended 7-4, to four, Jesse. 7-4 to four for the Florida Panthers. Remember, they're up against a team that's supposed to be, you know, not saying, not amounting to much, but they still scored four times. They came back from a 4-1 deficit. Jesse, help me understand why everyone's scoring all these goals all of a sudden. Yeah, it's crazy. And and the Panthers, um, I was looking at it the other day. They're the highest scoring team like individually since I think 94, 95. It was the it was the Penguins. It was the Penguins with Lemieux and everybody. And that was the last time a team has scored has averaged more than four goals a game. And Florida's is obviously averaging that this season. It's pretty impressive. Colorado's up there too, I think, one of the highest scoring teams in the last like 20 years. It's it's interesting. I I mean, I think the the goaltending has gotten so good over the past like decade and, and the goalies, I mean, when, when, when goalies started going to the butterfly and then perfected it, it just shut down goals. Like these, you just can't score unless it's a high danger chance and you're picking the corners. And I think maybe it's a case of these players are getting better at score. Like the goalies were ahead of the players were like ahead of the curve. And now the players are starting to catch up and find out how to beat these goalies. Um, it's interesting. I, I, I honestly, I don't have a reason for it. It's not like there was a major rule change recently that like, I mean, back when they took away the two line pass, it's like, okay, that would be easy to point to, to say, okay, that's why they're scoring now when they moved the blue lines in and, and opened up a little more room to work in the offensive zone. That was a reason. I don't see a reason to point to directly, but I would say that I think the forwards are the, the, the scorers in this league are getting more creative. Obviously you point to Zegris and stuff like that, but I think, not quite. It doesn't have to be that um, that innovative. It can just be small little differences that these forwards are are now getting. Like I said, they're catching up to the goalies and and finding ways to score on them more often. What do you think? Uh, is it just the forwards? I was looking at yesterday, uh, like the top three goal scorers on defense, and you see like Caleb McCarr, obviously flirting with twenty five goals. Victor Hedman scored, and he's got nineteen. Roman Yossi, who may have the most underrated season of anyone in the National Hockey League. I'm talking for the Norris. I'm talking even for the Hart Trophy has 18 and he leads all defensemen in points. Like, like these guys are flirting with 20 goal seasons as defensemen. Like, I think the fact that forwards are, are in like, I mean, I think teams as a whole are starting to embrace their guys having more skill and letting them use it to yes. their advantage. But we're starting to see defensemen as well uh, also embrace that as well. Like you said, so if you have your offense coming from some of your, some of your best defensive players, that's usually a good thing uh, if you're a successful hockey club. And I think that also has to play a role into this as well. Like this is... This is insane to see a guy like Kale McCarr, like he could end the season with like 30 goals. We were talking about him possibly hitting 40 goals at some point this year. Right. Like it's, it's, I, I think it has something to do with the fact that teams now realize that, you know, skill is the way to go. It sells the product and not to mention it helps put, put pucks in the back of opposing teams nets. Like that has to be a huge reason because I can't think of any other significant rule change that has taken place that has has allowed this. So this is really just cool to see as just like a like a hockey fan. I completely agree. And I think I think you're definitely on the right track in terms of the defensemen are more offensive than they have ever been in the history of the league. And 
the bottom line players, like if uh, I forgot, man, I wish I could remember who, who tweeted it out so I could give them credit. But someone tweeted out a graph the other day showing dump ins versus carrying the puck into the zone. And it's like as the league as a whole has shifted more towards carrying it in. And, and this person said that the reasoning for that is fourth line guys not that long ago were you're going to dump it in and you're going to hit somebody. And then if you want to fight, fight them. And now you're seeing more and more that these fourth line, third line players are not that they are. They're just they're just less talented versions of the first line players like they're, they're not as good as the first line guys, but their games are similar. They're offensive minded. They're skilled offensively. They're going out there trying to score. And I think you're right. I think that I think that has a big a big it's, it's not so much the upper echelon players are scoring more. It's the bottom players are more offensive and the defensemen. There are more and more offensive guys. I, th- I think you're definitely on the right track with that. Yeah, I think if you're an NHL coach now and you are able to put together a roster where fine, you can still have your bottom line guys be, you know, good checkers and be able to hem in opposing teams in their own zone if you need to, but they're able to chip in with a goal every other night. Like I think of a guy like Arturi Lekkanen who is having himself a pretty good year. He was in Montreal against trades of Colorado. That's a guy I think of who is able to do all the little things and he's able to chip to, to contribute with secondary scoring. The league needs like teams need more players like that as opposed to just putting a plug on the fourth line who eh, he's probably going to end the season with like two, three goals and he's really just there to fight. I mean, there was a time where fighting was needed in the NHL. Now, why put a guy like that in when that fourth line player, whether it's a an AHL tweener or or someone else who who may be a little older in their NHL career and is playing in, re- in a reduced role could still contribute to score at the end of the day, like – you don't win a game by how many more fights or how many more checks you get. It's how many goals you score. So, as again, a pleasant surprise to see that goals have gone up uh, in terms of goals per game over the last few years. It is to our benefit. How will that change in the playoffs, though? That is a very uh, interesting question, which I'm not sure we have the time for or have enough foresight to see because we know the game completely changes uh, in the playoffs. I just want to give a shout out, though, because – uh, in that Florida-Montreal game, uh, the Montreal Canadiens trying to do as well as they can, even though they're going to be last place. I know Kent Hughes of, of the Montreal Canadiens, the GM, in Florida for the meetings. Uh, I think he acknowledged he, he wants to remove that uh, interim tag off of Martin St. Louis, who's the interim head coach of the Montreal Canadiens right now. Being in Montreal, obviously, you, you, I obviously, you know, I get to see Martin St. Louis. I've asked him questions before. A lot of people are still kind of like, oh, wow, like Martin St. Louis is like head coach. What's the perception outside of Montreal? Like in your vantage point, and I know you're in the Western Conference, but like how, what, for what you see to just in terms of talking to other people, like how do people feel about the fact that Martin St. Louis, who is literally coaching like Pee Wee kids, is now an NHL head coach, even if it's with the interim tag for now? Yeah, I mean, I think. I don't think people hold that against him as much. Um, I think like we've seen in all sports, like sometimes guys are just good leaders. Um, and, and like, like I think of basketball, like Steve Kerr didn't come up through the rankings. He just, they just kind of threw him in, like coach the Golden State Warriors. Like you were a good player. You, you were good on TV. We'll just, and some people just have that ability to lead guys. And, and I think there are plenty of players that, that have the ability to coach that, that understand that side of things. And, Maybe they don't need to to go up through the ranks. I do think that there are going to be situations. Like, like I'll say this: I think his staff needs to be super experienced. You can't yeah. have like his assistant coaches have to have tons of of coaching experience. Maybe even a former head coach on his staff just to 
because there are going to be situations that he just doesn't under like he's never been in that situation. He doesn't know how a coach handles that. Um, so I, I think I think an experienced staff would be important. But yeah, the perception I I think he can handle it, and I think the outside perception is he's going to be judged on how this team performs and not so much um, his resume prior to getting the job. Okay, so. Cool. So I had to give that quick little tidbit out there to uh, Martin St. Louis and the Canadians. Uh, me being the Montreal guy, I did not want to inundate the podcast with nothing but Montreal stuff. I get it. I'm just <laughs> filling in for Rob. Uh, I, I don't want to just take over the show completely. I do, however, want to spend some time on the Vegas Golden Knights. This is a team at the beginning of the year. I thought, all right, they're going to the playoffs again. Maybe they have a run in them to the Stanley Cup final. Then they eventually find a way to get Jack Eichel and everyone's like, wow, they have the team that they have and they get Jack Eichel. Like there's no way they don't make a deep run to the Stanley Cup final. They've been battling injuries since, well, pretty much throughout the year anyway. Uh, I think I remember when you were in Montreal, we were watching Vegas in Montreal. You were saying like one of those games, either that game or another game, was one of the few times they didn't have to deal with some injured player uh, coming up from a game. Like that, it's insane what they've had to go through to this point. And now... They find themselves, as we're recording this, on the outside looking in when it comes to a wild card spot in the Western Conference. And it, it's very possible that for the first time in their young existence, they could miss the playoffs. Jesse, if you can, can you take the temperature of what's going on in Vegas with the Golden Knights? Tell us all we need to know about what's going on. Why are they in this position? Yeah, I mean, it's it's easy to point to the injuries and, and the players and Pete DeBoer say every day, oh, we're not going to use the injuries as an excuse. But like they, they've missed pretty much everyone all season long. Like Max Pacioretty has barely been on the ice. He's been their leading goal scorer for the last two, three years. Uh, Mark Stone's the best player on the team. He's barely played. Um, he's, he's been, he's been missing for quite some time during this stretch. Obviously they brought Eichel off LTIR stone went on LTIR with his back injury that has been bothering him since, um, before this season, even in the playoffs against Montreal last year, like his back has been bothering him. He just hasn't been able to get it fixed. So this team, not only does Mark, not only is stone the best player on the team, he's, he is this team. Like he's the captain and he is the, he is the the engine that makes them run. He's the heartbeat of the team. He's what all those cliches you want to say that is Mark Stone, and I think they're really missing that in the locker room. And I think they they're they're also missing Robin Leonard. Like early in the year, the Golden Knights had a bunch of injuries. Stone and Pacioretty and William Carlson was out, and but but Robin Leonard was playing some excellent hockey at that time, and he was holding the team in games that they didn't deserve to be in. That Montreal game is a perfect example. Like, Montreal was killing the Golden Knights in that game, but Leonard held them in it, held them in it, and then they finally got some goals, and they came back and got some points in that game, and that's kind of how they survived early in the season. Now, Robin Leonard's out. Loren Bressois, the backup goalie, is also out. So they're down to their third string goalie, Logan Thompson. He's He's actually been very good, but the scoring has really dried up. I think they... Their depth players were able to fill in that scoring early in the year. They were getting major contributions from guys like Nick Waugh that maybe weren't expected to score a lot of goals. He's, he's had a, he has a career high in goals this season. And I think they were able to survive it for a certain extent. And then eventually, like you can't, that doesn't work for 82 games. And I think it's the injuries are finally catching up to him. And I also think Aside from the injuries, the injuries have also created a separate issue in that this team just has no chemistry. There's no cohesion on the ice. And the reason is because 
Whenever they get a guy back, another guy goes out, the lines change, the defensive pairs change. And it's been happening every single night for 69 games. So oh my God. they don't have cohesion. They, they play against a team like Calgary, a team like LA, the teams in the Pacific that they're competing for a playoff spot with. And I see a team in the Kings or in the Flames that has they're, they're in midseason form. They are clicking. Everyone knows where everyone on the ice is. Their, their team game is in such a good place. And they're they're ramping up for the playoffs. Well, and then and then you look at the Golden Knights, and it's like, all right, Jack Eichel's playing with Nick Waugh and Evgeny Dodonov tonight. He's never played a minute of of hockey with these two in his life. And then the next game, he's got two new line mates. And then the next game, it's like they, the the injuries themselves have hurt this team. But I think the side effect and this team just not being able to build chemistry and cohesion is really what's killing them right now. Um, they're playing against teams that are playing their best hockey, and the Golden Knights are playing far from it. So it's going to take. It's going to take a big run here. Um, they've won a couple in a row now. They're trying to get on on a roll. They're probably going to have to win ten or eleven of their last fifteen games, which is going to be that's that's a lot better than the pace they've been on recently. So right now, it's looking like if I had to guess, I would think I would I would guess the Golden Knights don't make the playoffs, but they do have one of the easier schedules down the stretch. And the teams they're chasing, the Oilers and Kings, have two of the more difficult schedules down the stretch. So I wouldn't – it's not out of the realm of possibility they make the playoffs, but it's going to take quite the run. Absolutely. Uh, with Jack I- – I'm still shocked at the fact that this team was able to acquire Jack Eichel. He goes through the surgery in – not to say no time at all, but in a much shorter time than in what's normally expected for a neck surgery. He makes himself available to practice and is able to play with this team. And the fact that he's in a situation now where – He's essentially on an island on his own trying to make this work. A bit of a tough situation and just cruel and ironic for Buffalo. Yeah. (laughs) Do you know how cruel and ironic it is? Jack Eichel, you know, yes, there's the whole mistreatment of how the next surgery went down. Dude wanted to be on a winning team. He wanted to compete and he wanted to be on a team that wasn't going to miss the playoff every year. And the first team he gets to join post-Buffalo might miss the playoffs because they were just so banged up. There is a cruel irony in how this Vegas Golden Knight situation is playing out. Um, you mentioned Robin Leonard. Uh, not to kind of switch gears in terms of on-ice stuff to off-ice stuff. Uh, but we know Robin Leonard as one of the more outspoken personalities in the National Hockey League. But just before we started recording, his Twitter page seems to be gone. And maybe for any other NHL player, we don't focus on this. Maybe we, we'd be barely bad an eyelash if like Chris Weidman had a Twitter page and that page was gone. But because of the things that have been said from Robin Leonard using his platform uh, to be a mental health advocate and also just just being a straight shooter and just calling things how it is. Like Robin Leonard's Twitter account is something that a lot of NHL media and fans kind of point to. And as of this recording, maybe something changed or not, but it's not active. I'm wondering, Jesse, if, if, if there's anything to this. Like why would Robin Leonard step away. We don't know why at this point, but maybe you know something. Yeah, it's like like you said, I'll I'll kind of echo that in that it's it the Twitter is a better place with Robin Leonard on it. Um not only like the the awesome um mental health advocacy that he does on there and he helps a lot of people. I wrote a story, I reached out to a bunch of people that told me they they poured their guts out to me and and told me his impact on their life is 
is massive. Um, not just, and these aren't all, all people that have met Robin Leonard in person. These are people that just see his Twitter account. They see the comments he makes in post game. And, and he has helped people understand that they're not alone in the things that they're struggling with. I think he's done so much good on Twitter. And then, like you said, there's the other aspect of it. The guy's hilarious on there. He's posting yes. gifts of pandas rolling down the hill. And like, like Robin Leonard is great on Twitter. NHL needs more personalities. And Robin Leonard is one of the better ones on Twitter. I don't know why he deleted it. I do know that Robin Leonard is having a rough go right now. I mean, the guy, this is his first year that the Golden Knights moved on from Marc-Andre Fleury. That was obviously a huge moment in, in this team's history. And Robin Leonard was finally going to be the guy to, to take a team on his back. Let's go to the Stanley to, to a playoff run. And it just hasn't gone that way. He's been injured all year. He keeps like, it seems like every time he comes back, something else happens. And, and, and he, he had a, a serious shoulder injury that he's been playing through. He was playing through it though. He was, he was still playing. Then he injures, uh, then he has a lower body injury. Um, now he's trying to come back from that. Yesterday he was on the ice for the first time in a while with the team. And he takes a shot off the shoulder by Eichel and, and looked like he was in some pain, had to, had to leave the ice. And, and Pete DeBoer said, they don't, they don't know what the update is. Um, I'm not even sure if he traveled here to Seattle. We'll all have to find out here in a little bit when I go to morning skate. But I would say maybe Leonard is 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 uh, not in the mood to to see what people on Twitter are saying right now because he's just had a rough go of it. That would be my guess as to why the Twitter is deleted. I I honestly don't know. I had a bunch of people post tweeting at me and messaging me just right before we went on saying, "Wow, Leonard's Twitter is gone." And I searched, and yeah, it is it is currently deleted. So. Um, not sure, but I hope whatever it is, I hope he, I hope he's back on there soon. Yeah, uh, I, I, you, I think you have it right when you say Twitter is a better place with Robin Leonard. However, Twitter is a not to say a bad place. It's a very complicated and complex place to be in. Sometimes your messages get lost and a whole bunch of other stuff. And I think if you're on it a little too long, or if you see enough crap come your way, especially if you're a front facing person. Uh, it can affect your mental health. So I think I, I will mention this. Maybe it is, maybe it's something where just for his focus, uh, it's just the best thing for him to just kind of step away and not do. You're right. He's not having the greatest of seasons. We just talked about how Vegas could be in a position where they miss the playoffs. Like it, it maybe it, it's for the best for him right now to, uh, be off of Twitter, but it is still jarring. As uh, someone who followed his Twitter and thought, hey, you know, this is one of the more outspoken guys and be considering where the NHL is at with bigging up their personalities, it is very, I think it's newsworthy to bring up that one of the guys who was good at Twitter from the NHL seems to be taking a moment away from it. Uh, there's one more thing I want to mention before we queue up Pierre Lebrun and Mike Russo and the report from uh, Florida at the general manager's meetings. It is a sad uh, time uh, for the Ottawa Senators organization. Uh, owner Eugene Melnick, unfortunately, passed away earlier this week after battling a long illness. I, 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 I encourage everyone, if you haven't already done so, to read Ian Mendez's article on Eugene Melnick, which describes him pretty – like it's a pretty layered personification of him. Yes, he has done – a lot of good for the franchise in terms of keeping them in Ottawa, uh, doing things around the community as well. But he did find ways to alienate uh, players, media, and fans as well. So I I've noticed this for me and other people as well. 
it's a complicated legacy when it comes to Eugene Melnick. Jesse, what are your general thoughts on 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 Eugene and how he went about his business in the NHL for as long as he was with us? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that, that it's layered. Um, it's obviously the initial reaction is it's really sad. I mean, I think he was 63. That's not very old at all. 62, um, for, actually. For 62. Yeah, that's that's brutal. That's it's really sad to see. Um, and, and I think, like you said, there, there are lots of different ways to look at it. There's definitely some negatives, but I think the guy is the, like, I, I think it was Ian who said it. It's, he's the reason there's a hockey team in Ottawa right now. And I think the NHL, like I, when I go to Canada, I freaking love how much people like their, like, like hockey in Canada. Like I absolutely love it. I'm going to Vancouver here from Seattle and I am pumped. One of my favorite road cities to go to. And I just... I think more Canadian, like the, the more hockey teams there are in Canada, the better. I, I love the, the, just the whole vibe in Canada around the hockey teams. I can't imagine Ottawa. I know the arena's way the hell out there and people like the, the attendance isn't great in Ottawa compared to some of the other teams, but still, I think, I think the NHL belongs in Ottawa. So yes. um, if there's one thing I'll take from Eugene Melnick, it's if he's the reason there's a hockey team in Ottawa, that's a pretty good thing. Yeah, I, I think that's a good way to to put it. But again, I, I think the I think again for people who haven't read it, read Ian Mendez's article on Eugene Melnick. I think it is the best way to kind of play on the tightrope of how to describe Eugene Melnick uh, as a personality in the National Hockey League. Uh, and with that, uh, we're going to conclude this part of the show here. I think it was a good start for both of us. I know I kind of mentioned uh, Sarah Sivian might be on the show this week. That might be a little tricky. It looks as if uh, some stuff in Tampa Bay might be taking up a bit more for time. So after this, we are going to hear from Russo and LeBron uh, with more from the uh, GM meetings in Florida. Maybe we'll try to find a way to see if there's some topics from that we can touch on a little bit. And of course... Uh, a Twitter question of the day. I'll just kind of tease that out there for everyone now. What is your favorite NHL celebrity endorsement? We'll read some of your responses on the show later on. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, so we're going to get to Michael Russo and Pierre Lebrun from the NHL general manager meetings in Florida and they'll give us their uh, info, the latest on what's been going on there, some of the different uh, talks that have been going on amongst all 32 NHL GMs. I mean, it's Michael Russo and Pierre Lebrun. 
I always feel informed whenever I read from them or hear from them, Jesse. I'm sure they're going to give us some great stuff in between in whatever pina coladas they're drinking uh, before the meetings. Okay, <laughs> I'm just kidding. They wouldn't do that. They wouldn't do that. Maybe they'd be on a beach or something. But yeah, they're gonna they're gonna let us know what's up from the GM meetings in Florida. Take it away, boys. Well, Michael Russo and Pierre LeBron coming from Palm Beach, literally the beach, uh, here uh, at the GM. Well, we're meeting. not sitting in the sand. I know, Michael. I know. <laughs> Air conditioning. When you when you live in Minnesota, it's almost too hot. Um, uh, but obviously, uh, down here at the GM's uh, meetings, it was a tough assignment, uh, Pierre. Um, not a ton of news that came out of here, but uh, interesting stuff. Let's start with LTIR. Yeah, so this is the so-called playoff cap uh, discussion, the idea of whether or not there should be a cap in the playoffs and you know whether or not you call it the Kucherov rule from last year. Um, but there was discussion of it, and most notably, the couple things that came out of today, we've identified Ken Holland as the GM that really spearheaded this discussion in terms of wanting it discussed and in terms of having potential ideas. He's got the support of several GMs um, and while Gary Bettman and, and Bill Daly came out and said they don't think it's that big of an issue everyone involved in that meeting agrees that the dialogue will however continue that the next GM's meeting is at the draft of Montreal in July and, and that they're going to further discuss this about whether or not they should tweak the LTIR system and find a better way to you know to handle how injured players are accounted for and, and the fact that you know Tampa had a 98 million dollar payroll last year in the playoffs again the Tampa didn't do anything wrong that's with within the rules right now so again that's the key takeaway is that there's no apparent change right now um, and it may never be changed but they are going to discuss it again in July and number two uh, Bill Daly um, said that he's already had a few chats with the NHLPA about it about mm-hmm. LTIR so to be continued but yeah. it certainly could have not been continued I guess is my point so yeah. we'll see where it goes and obviously uh, Bill Daly said that they do try to investigate this uh you know pretty thoroughly uh especially around the trade deadline and and if you're a, a team that tells them hey yeah we're expecting back at game one of the playoffs that's when they really uh, dig into it and i think it's important to note because i asked gary bettman point blank you know how does the league feel about vegas and i think we should sort of move on from this vegas because like, this year vegas is the last year it's tampa now this year it's vegas you know and the commissioner was pretty direct that, that that they they believe Vegas is absolutely transparent that that they are absolutely satisfied with the way Vegas is handling their LTIR and that you know there there are no issues there regardless of what it may look mm-hmm. perception wise for those of us on the outside. Um, obviously, the Zadanoff issue is something that they addressed here. Uh, clearly, Bill Daly and the PA, uh, this was not a, a vote. This was Bill Daly and the PA behind the scenes drafting language. Then it looks like that these no-trade lists now are going to be submitted to the central registry, uh, uh, definitely with new contracts, and they're they're going to probably look at old contracts as well. Yeah. In fact, uh, Bill Daly saying he had another call with the NHLPA today to uh, firm that up, but essentially, because the PA you know, has to sign off on that, yep. it, essentially a CBA issue. Yeah. In fact, there's Bill Daly right there actually having that conference call right now. <laughs> but so. yeah, so so again, for those who maybe didn't follow last week's uh, drama, um, when Central Registry had the trade call for uh, Dodonoff going to Anaheim, they, they did not have access to his no trade list. And mm-hmm. as we subsequently found out, much to my surprise, I don't know Anna about you, Mike, but 
you know, the central registry and the NHLPA actually do not have access to the list of teams on no trade lists. It's a private matter between yeah. agents and clubs, which astonished me, to be honest, but no longer. Yeah. <laughs> Once the PA and the league uh, sign this off, they're, they're, that's going to be part of a big central database. Well, it's going to be part of the contract yeah. when, you click, when yeah. you click on it. Yeah. yeah. I, it was, I was amazed at the fact that this happened because it just, uh, obviously, I mean, this stuff doesn't happen a lot, but it, it to me, um, you know, you watch those videos on NHL.com on how a trade call goes through at the trade deadline, and it's almost archaic. I mean, they are literally saying, is he allowed to go there? And the GM say, yes, he is. And they, But they don't have the list. You're just trusting that they know what they're talking about. Um, the, you had a great nugget in, in uh, The Athletic on uh, Monday uh, about two Kyles, uh, Kyle and Kyle, Kyle Davidson and Kyle Dubas. And Kyle Davidson, um, obviously, Kyle Dubas wasn't happy with uh, trade conversations leaking out into the public. I think Darren Drager was the first to report that. Um, and basically said, well, go ask Chicago when asked about it. And Kyle Davidson felt the need to stand up in the meeting and essentially apologize and say he's going to button up things. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, and I, I should point out that rookie GMs at their first ever GMs meeting yeah. are usually kind of hinted at <laughs> saying just do a lot of listening, don't do a lot of talking, but good on Kyle Davidson. I think it took a lot of gumption to, uh, and I talked to him about it Monday after the meeting, to stand up in that group and and talk about the fact that, hey, the Chicago Blackhawks take the these, you know, take the process seriously, that, you know, these conversations should be confidential and that, you know, um, he's going to make sure of that. And uh, I, I just think... I'm impressed that he did that because you're at your first ever GMs meeting. Not only that, this happened within seven or eight minutes of the meeting starting Monday morning. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and he addressed the group and, um, you know, I've talked to some GMs about it and they were impressed by that. So also Kyle Davidson uh, and Kyle Dubas both confirming to me that they also patched things up, that they had a conversation last week and and I think are ready to move past yeah. it. Hey, a couple of years ago when Bill Guerin, of all player people, are, is a rookie GM and doesn't want to say a word, you know that rookie GMs aren't saying a word. When Bill Guerin, who's as hard as they come, um, just a couple more for you. Cap's going up a million bucks um, and then some World Cup updates as well today. <laughs> yeah, so as expected, the cap's going up a million to 82.5, which will be, you know, I know a lot of people are listening saying, well, what's a million? A million's a lot to win. you're Minnesota teams. Wild. Yeah, 16 teams in LTIR this year with no cap rooms. So a million's a million. Um, after it being at 81.5 for three straight years, it's finally going to go up. And yeah, World Cup of Hockey still not finalized, uh, but Bill Daly saying that it's going in the right direction. We're going to have a World Cup in 2024. All countries, no young stars. Right. No. I, I asked Bill Daly in front of, you know, at the news conference about the format and he confirmed what we mm -hmm. thought was coming, which is that no more team North America, no more team Europe. Then we go back to a traditional, you know, Olympic type field. Yeah. yeah. Uh, officiating was a big issue uh, or maybe not a big issue. According to Gary, Gary's like, yeah, there's no pushback. Officiating's perfect. <laughs> I mean, listen, and I wrote about this Monday. It's, it's not that I don't think it was contentious inside the room, but it's just that it's it's an forever evergreen issue mm -hmm. of what is the standard going to be come playoff time. And, you know, Stephen Walcom talked to GMs about it yesterday about officiating. Bottom line is no one's ever going to be happy. Let's just be honest, because yeah. the standard does change in the playoffs. No doubt about it. Um, last one uh, for you. Uh, yesterday, uh, Sheldon Kennedy and Kim Davis um, uh, had a presentation um, that they uh, gave the GMs. Uh, They're going to have, uh, they, they sort of guinea pig the Winnipeg Jets. This is going to be training that's going to go through all 32 teams starting 
next season. And Sheldon Kennedy uh, came out and really, um, you know, was up front with us about, uh, you know, that he went in there with a preconceived notion that this might not be easy, but he was amazed at this, the the, the reception of the, of the GM. Yeah, it sounded like a really, from uh, GMs I talked to, a really heavy discussion and uh, a lot of GMs opening themselves up to being willing to, you know, as, as I said, getting more comfortable with the uncomfortable, right? About mm-hmm. some of these very serious issues, you know, harassment, bullying, abuse, uh, discrimination, all these things are, you know, creating a more healthy environment for every NHL team. The league is, I mean, I can't tell you how impressive Sheldon Kennedy is, right? Yeah. I mean, he's done this work in this space for, for nearly 30 years with his company, Respect Group, based in Calgary. And the fact that he's on board helping the league with this is is it's going to have, I think, a huge impact. And I got to tell you that had he not been on board, I'd be a little more cynical, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, are they just saying things and just to... But because Sheldon Kennedy, who doesn't have to toe the line with the NHL is part of this and right now feels it's headed in the right direction then that gives me that that's good enough for me because Sheldon Kennedy says it Uh, one more for you I I asked uh, Gary just about uh, you know Eugene Melnick passing away today obviously very sad story yesterday he he passed away Um, but now you know there's been a lot of you know, potential people circling the Ottawa centers for a while to try to buy that team. Right now, it sounds like control goes to his daughters. Um, Gary said that he's been in touch with his estate for the last little while, knowing that this was coming. What do you think happens now with the Ottawa centers? I mean, it's hard to tell. Um, and again, you kind of feel not really the data dive yeah. into that too much. I mean, yeah, obviously, Pierre Dorian was very emotional yep. when he addressed the media today uh, talking about Eugene Melnick's impact in his life and on the senators. And, you know, I think those questions will be more clear in time here. Uh, but the key is that the league knew, you know, that this was a possibility and has mm-hmm. been in touch with the family. And, you know, I, I think it's going to be, I don't think people have to worry about what's going to happen for the rest of the year, but I think at some point, obviously, you'll want to know what, what it means for the franchise. Yep. yep. Cool. Uh, well, Pierre, uh, thanks. A couple little housekeeping items. Uh, they talked about the uh, Russians in the in this upcoming draft, and right now, Bill Deli, obviously, it's an ever-changing world, but he basically said that they don't foresee any restrictions on drafting Russians, and the NHL awards will be between games three and four in the host city, uh, which will, of course, be Minnesota. <laughs> Pierre, I'm going to let you go get some grades here in Palm Beach. All right, Michael. All right, Thanks, back man. to everybody back there. Jesse, I don't care what they say. They're definitely on a beach. Both of those men were on a beach and both of those men were trying to enjoy themselves in between uh, whatever uh, talks they were trying to keep their ears to the streets with from those NHL GM meetings, Jesse. Yeah, I, I do. But the, the air conditioning part, like Russo's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite the uh, and, and, and Pierre, too, up in Toronto, like those, those guys, they're, they're trying to thaw out. You got to kind of slow yourself into that. I don't know if they can go straight from Toronto and, and uh, St. Paul straight into the beach in Florida. You got to you got to kind of ease your way in. Yeah, I, I feel like if you're 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 too used to the winter and the cold over there, you need like a grace period. Some people I don't need it as much. But I think people like Michael and and Pierre might need a bit of a grace period before they jump in. But hey, you know what? Maybe they've traveled enough where that grace period lessens. Was there any big takeaway from their conversation that stood out to you uh, the most? 
Yeah, I mean, as a Golden Knights writer, I guess what stands out to me is, man, this team is like a pain in the ass, right? It seems yes. like every year at the GM meetings, um, all the all like there there are rules being changed because of the Golden Knights. Um, whether it was the reviewing five minute majors after their their debacle in San Jose in Game Seven a couple years ago, or the Evgeny Dodonov rule is what I'm calling it. Um, they are now obviously uh, they're gonna they're they're revamping the entire way they do. To me, the the takeaway from that is why wasn't that already the case? It's strange yeah. to me that that even needed to be revamped. They were doing it in a archaic way, it seemed. Um, so I guess that's good. And then and then also the LTIR rule that they're looking at. Um, to me, that is of all the potential like this this GM meeting didn't really doesn't seem like it's gonna resolve anything it just seems like it's kind of they're pushing towards the right direction but i think of all the things that could potentially come of this the biggest one is the changing of the ltir rules to the playoffs or however they're going to do it to where teams can't do what tampa bay did with nikita kucherov and what the golden knights may do if they make the playoffs which as we talked about may not happen but if they do um to me that's the biggest change what do you think yeah like the ltir discussion uh, it, it's very peculiar to me. I mean, at this point with the way the salary cap is and the fact that it's only going to go up by like another million into next year, uh, it, it's, it's, it's the most that a lot of teams can do. It's, 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 it's there and, and it's the best they can really do unless they somehow say, you know what, to nuts with this, we're bringing in a luxury tax and the big teams that can spend can spend, go over it. We'll figure that out later. But at this point, if, it, it, this is what the best that some teams can do in order to stay cap compliant as they can. Uh, but if, in terms of like trying to bring it in for the playoffs, like I, I'm really not in favor of that. Really, I don't know if that's something that teams really need to be doing. I'm not crazy about that idea. I say just keep it as it is. But you know, Vegas, of so course, you have no problem. You have no, you have no problem with the teams going way over the cap. Like if Vegas were to make the playoffs this year and everyone were to be healthy, which Again, unlikely, but if it were to happen, they'd be fifteen million over the cap. I think you're, you're you don't care. I don't care. As at the end of the, because every team, if they were in a position where they could do it, they would do it. I'm telling right. you, I say this all the damn time. If the Toronto Maple Leafs added some other big salary player, I know it would be difficult for them to do. They have to put Austin Matthews on LTIR. A lot of people would not be saying a word about that. They'd be like, all right, like. Austin Matthews is on LTIR. We'll bring him in for the playoffs. Who, who cares if they're 10 million or 50 million over the cap? Like if you're able to build the team that's there and that's a loophole you're able to exploit, everyone is able to exploit that loophole. So I don't understand why right. people are so in, up in arms about it. That's my feel. I, I completely agree that like any, any fan would want their team to you to expose the loophole. I'm just, I, I'm not so sold on like they shouldn't close the loophole. Like why not close the loophole so that that doesn't happen? Um, I don't know. I, I, I think that there are, I think there are other ways to do it. Like if you're not healthy on the last game of the regular season, you, you can't like you have to be or not, not healthy, but if your salary cap can't fit, if your cap hit can't fit in the salary cap, on the last day of the regular season, you're ineligible for the playoffs. Like, I think there are other ways to fix it, but I think they should at least if, especially if it were to happen again, like Tampa Bay used it last year and won the Stanley cup like, yes. with that rule. If the golden Knights were to do it again and, and use that and go 15 million over the cap and then win the Stanley cup, I think it's like, okay, two years in a row, the team that has exploited this loophole has won it all. Like maybe we should close that loophole. 
I don't know because then I'd look at be like, hey, the Montreal Canadiens are. I don't remember how many million they are above this. They were, in fact, they're the highest spending team of anyone in terms of who the guys they've had on injured reserve is long. They're not right. touching the Stanley Cup playoffs at all. So it doesn't necessarily mean that every team that does it is going to be there. But if your team is is well constructed enough or has enough skilled players and you have to do it, it is entirely possible that it could happen. That just means just spend, just just get the good yeah. players. At the end of the day, like. Like, it's not just like one team just does it and they they find a way to win. Like, every team uses LTIR. Every team finds a way to do it. Uh, I don't know. I, I think if it's something that everyone could exploit, it's hard for me to feel bad about if another team's all like, well, is like crying foul about it. Because if they're yeah. in that same situation, they would do the same thing. So, I hope they don't try to like close that loophole for the playoffs. It doesn't even seem like they're really going to do it that way either. Um, then the no trade clause thing, the, the, dat, the, the Danov rule, which I'll say this, the, the, off the, uh, the games he was able to score goals with, it looks like Vegas is probably a little happy that they're able to keep him. Um, I still think it's really, we, it's really funny seeing people be like, well, I, I saw on Cap Friendly or Puckpedia, this guy had a no trade clause and it's out there. I always just wonder, like, why not have, like, some kind of internal database where any GM could just, like, open it up and be like, okay, this guy has this trade clause. This one should be there. And maybe some agents are worried about like, oh, all the teams are going to be out there. And it's going to be public for people and all that. But like, it, there's no reason why a GM should be in a situation where they don't know uh, that a player, one, has a no trade clause or the teams uh, that are on said no trade clause. It's all about information at this point. There's no reason why they should be left in the dark. I totally see why they don't want the specific teams on the no trade to be like central registry, as we know, because of deadline day, the insiders, like if, if central registry knows it, Twitter knows it and the whole world knows it because yeah. LeBron or Friedman or Chris Johnston or Sarah Volley, one of these guys is going to get the information. If it's at Kevin central Weeks registry, too, don't forget right? about Kevin Weeks. He right, might break right? it from yeah. the barbershop. I know. Yeah. He'll have a, he'll have a trash can over his head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Kevin Weeks is so amazing. But, amazing. but anyways, I like I if if the information is held by the league, the world is going to know eventually. That's just how it works. So I totally get an agent saying, "Look, I there's no reason I don't need ten cities out there hating my player because he, they're on his no trade list for no reason." Like I I think there's got to be a way to have all of the trade no trade clauses in central registry to where a GM can go and see, okay, this guy's got a 10 team, no trade, this guy's got whatever. But then the, the agents and the teams are still in control of the actual teams that are on the list. Cause to me, that's the way to do it because I get why they don't want those, the, the entire list to be held by central registry. There's plenty of players out there that are like, absolutely not. I do not want these teams to be, to be made public, but there, you can't have teams not knowing if the guy has a no trade like the Golden Knights just did. And now they're in a really precarious situation because of it. So um, I think that was a no brainer that that had to be revamped. I learned earlier this week uh, on the Chris Johnston show, which I co-host with Chris Johnston. And if you are subscribed to The Athletic, you can listen to on The Athletic app ad free. Uh, that essentially with waivers, because it's not like publicized, you basically have insiders like texting people in the know being like, hey, give me the get me the list. You're absolutely right. If no trade lists are going to be in the hands of, of the central registry, Chris Johnston is hollering at his boy in, in central registry. If he has one or not, I don't know. Right. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's just like, hey, uh, can you tell me where these three, these three teams and the three team no trade clause are? And 
a lot, I bet a lot of Canadian fans are going to get pissed off at players because a lot of times you hear like, oh, this guy probably has this Canadian team on his no trade, no trade list. These Canadian markets are there. Anyway, it's definitely going to be a, a point of contention among people. But uh, again, good job on, on Michael and Pierre for their reporting uh, from uh, the general manager meetings in Florida. When we come back, Jesse, I'd like to know what you're working on. And also, we'll take uh, the answers from the Twitter question. What is your favorite NHL celebrity endorsement? And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions supply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Back at it here on the uh, Wednesday Roundtable Edition. Myself and Jesse Granger here. Just want to get to the Twitter question I threw out earlier this afternoon. What is your favorite NHL celebrity endorsement? And I thought of that question in light of uh, John Tavares and Brad Marchand both coming out with their own line of cereal in the last few uh, weeks. I just want to read out a few here. Shayna Goldman, shout out Shayna Goldman, who does a great job for us. She says, Henrik Lundqvist with head and shoulders. Hair products make total sense. But in what economy would he let that on his hair? <laughs> I, I don't know. I figured this would be a smart idea for him to do. Uh, Tommy Hud's Doug Gilmore milk commercials where he had cow legs. Also, the Sonnet insurance ones have been good. There's some ones in Ontario and there's ones in Quebec, too, where they use guys to each of their respective provinces. Those ones have been good. Uh, another one from Steph Fu. Uh, it's literally Steph and then Fu. Uh, pasta, I'm guessing for David Pasternak in Boston. His Dunkin' Donuts commercials were pretty hilarious. I concur. And uh, the Ovi and Backstrom duo commercials were also great. Uh, Jesse, do you have one? This photo, um, I can't pronounce this name, D-Y-L-L-Y bar, um, tweeted at us, it's Yager's peanut butter and it's not close. This photo, if, if oh anyone who is not God. on Twitter, li literally download the Twitter app and go to this tweet. Just, it's worth it. This photo of Yamir Yager, <laughs> he's got the mullet, he's got the tan button-up shirt with stripes, he's got it tucked in to his black, tight, skinny jeans. 
and he's holding a piece, a, a, a jar of peanut butter. It's like a, it's like a pyramid of peanut butters. It is amazing. It's a great photo. Um, I had no idea he had his own peanut butter. It looks like his face is on those peanut butter uh, <laughs> jars. I, phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, that would be my vote. Um, I didn't know that that existed until just now, but um, that's definitely my vote for my favorite uh, NHL endorsement. That is hilarious. Also, someone below that, I think KUCIV1, I think they sent a, a Photoshop of uh, an ad that was actually a real thing in Montreal. Uh, Web, you know, the brand Weber for grills and stuff. I think after the Subban Shea Weber trade, uh, there were signs across parts of Montreal where PK is holding like a, a spatula and it says like, J'aime mon Weber, like I love my Weber grill, obviously a shot at the trade. But this Photoshop here, because I don't remember this going around at all, it's actually of Mont- former Montreal Canadiens general manager Mark Bergevin uh, holding yes. a spatula saying he loves his Shea Weber, which I mean, he he did. He did love Shea Weber a lot when he was general manager and that's why he traded for him. Uh, yeah, we love the uh, the answers to this Twitter question. Before we let you go, Jesse, tell the people what you're working on. Yeah, I've got some exciting stuff. Obviously, here in Seattle, there's going to be some uh, expansion versus expansion stories coming out of this. I'm pretty excited to uh, to look at the numbers, look at the, what they're doing out here in Seattle. It's pretty exciting. It reminds me a lot of a couple years ago in Vegas. So I'm kind of having nostalgia seeing all these ice rinks pop up and everyone getting excited about hockey. Um, I can remember that those couple years in Vegas. So uh, yeah, lots lots of expansion stuff uh, while I'm here in Seattle. And then from that, it's, it's to the playoff push. This team has not had a playoff push in team history. They have coasted into the playoffs four years in a row. They finally have to win games. There are regular season games that have absolute consequences if they lose. So I'm excited for that. Um, it should be a fun couple weeks. Jesse, looking forward to your coverage as always and looking forward to seeing how the Vegas Golden Knights find a way to make it to the playoffs and keep their uh, their their intact streak of making the postseason since they joined the league alive. Uh, dude, this was really fun uh, to kick it with you, even if it was just you and I. We miss Siffy, of course, but a uh, big fan of yours. So I was really happy I got to kick it with you for uh, the Wednesday roundtable edition of the show. We also have to shout out Rob who could not be here because uh, he is now a father, his wife. Uh, pretty awesome. Uh, pretty awesome for them. Their their child uh, was born and everything seems to be good. The child seems to be healthy. So I'm really happy that uh, the family is doing really well. Uh, we miss you, Pizzer. We know you'll be back soon. And, you know, I felt pretty good sitting in his chair for, <laughs> for this Wednesday yeah. edition. I think I handled myself okay. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, you did. I, th- I thought you nailed it. Anyway, look, it helps when uh, you're rolling with people who also know what they're talking about. So thank you, Jesse, for making it easy. And thank you to everyone who listened to the Wednesday edition of the show. Uh, Be sure to check out some of the other shows uh, throughout the week for the Athletic Hockey Show, including uh, Craig Custance and Sean Gentili, uh, who do the Athletic Hockey Show USA on Tuesdays. They had Matthew Kachuk on uh, their Tuesday edition uh, and Joe Smith uh, on this week's edition for them. So be sure to check that out. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to leave a rating and review. Subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. You can start with a 30-day free trial, then just 99 cents a month after that. And right now, Get an annual subscription to The Athletic for just $1 a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. We'll be back tomorrow. Ian Mendez and Sean McIndoo will be back with that. 
And uh, who knows what they'll talk about. They'll find uh, stuff to talk about. You just have to tune in on the Thursday show. For Jesse, and for Sarah, and for Rob, I'm Julian. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Athletic Hockey Show Wednesday Roundtable Edition. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.